human remains in Queens reveal a neglected history. The woman in the iron coffin on Secrets of the Dead. From WNET in New York, I'm Tom Stewart, and this is WNET Up Next, where we give you an insider's look at our programs and the people who create them. We are delighted to sit down with Stephanie Carter, who is enjoying a very varied and interesting career in public media. And currently, among her other responsibilities, serves as executive producer of the very popular PBS series, Secrets of the Dead. Stephanie, welcome to WNET Up Next. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. So, let's get right to secrets. How did this series get started, and what does it really set out to do? Well, two longtime producers, Beth Hoppy, who was at WNET for a long time, and then at PBS, and Dan Chambers, who works in the UK, they got together and put together the idea for this series. They were actually, when they first got started, it was, I think, 1999, and CSI had just premiered, and they drew a lot of inspiration from CSI, the TV series, using forensic science to unlock mysteries. And they saw it as a way to take a deeper look at history using new scientific techniques. That's great. I, I've often thought that you could also call it like fun with archaeology. Uh, but of course, there are many programs that go beyond just archaeology. How do you explain the tremendous success of the series? Well, again, I think just like CSI, this sort of using science as a way to investigate questions draws people in. I think the unique thing about secrets is we take viewers with us mm -hmm. when we investigate a question, when we look at history. We may or may not have the answer, and I think viewers enjoy seeing how the puzzle pieces are put together when they don't work, when they're not put together, and how we use science as a tool to tell the story. Now, I know you've worked on... How many of these have you worked on over the years? A lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Probably 50 or 60. 50 or 60 shows. Yeah. yeah. That's an amazing amount of, uh, of material. And I know you probably have a couple of favorites that stand out. And I know one that I've also seen and enjoyed very much came out a couple of years ago. And it was tracking down uh, Richard III. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that uh, was a really fun and special film. About a year before we made our film, they had the big dig of Richard in the car park, where they actually found Richard III's remains, including his very curved spine. It was a really big deal, an exciting moment in archaeology. About a year later, we found someone who had a similar spinal curvature to mm -hmm. um, Richard III. And so, thanks to Shakespeare, Richard has developed this reputation as this very fearsome, tough— Not a nice guy. Not a nice guy, and quite the um, warrior. But the question was, if he had this— issue with his spine, could he really have been that effective a soldier? Could mm -hmm. he have worn armor? Could he have jousted? Could he have been out on a horse in the battlefield? So we found someone who had a similar body type and put him through the training and got him to wear armor, got him to learn how to fight with a sword and fight on a horse. 
it was really wonderful. In the end, the subject of the film felt so much more confident. Like he had really learned, gosh, I'm so much more capable than I ever thought I was. And we proved that, yes, Richard could have been. He really been, could have done all these things. Yep, exactly. I can't remember. Was it actually, was this the first time it was really proven that Richard III did have this misshapen body before they found this dig? Yes. I mean, when they uncovered the bones, it was pretty self—I mean, it's visible. You can mm-hmm. see how his his spine was curved, so that proved it. But prior to that, it was just sort of legend and history. And yes, this, this exactly. really this, this really proved the case. Yeah. But I know that coming up, you've got a very, very interesting program. Uh, this is in October. October 3rd, I believe, is, mm-hmm. is, is the air date. And this program is called The Woman in the Iron Coffin— And I found that this covers so many different ideas of archaeology and history and even spreading of disease. Tell me about The Woman in the Iron Coffin. So this may be the film that I am most excited about in all of the projects that I have worked on. Um, In 2011, there were construction workers at a site in Queens digging. And they hit something metallic, and so they stopped the dig, and they went to look, and they found mummified remains. And they were like, whoa, okay, hold up. We've got to stop. They brought in the medical examiner's office. The construction workers, it being Queens, thought, oh, this is probably a mafia hit. They thought it was a homicide. Yeah, they thought it was a murder, although the fact that the remains were mummified (laughs) should have— Been a a clue. Should have been a clue. So um, the medical examiner arrives on the scene, and he takes a look at the body, and he says, well, this person died of smallpox. This site is now a biohazard, and you all need to leave immediately. So the CDC was called in. They tested her, the remains. The virus was no longer viable, and that's because the remains belonged to an African-American woman who died in 1850. So she was a member of the free black community that basically they formed a community in 1828 in what is now Elmhurst, Queens. Slavery in New York State wasn't fully abolished until 1827. It was a gradual emancipation that started in 1799. Once they were free, these blacks, you know, all over the city of New York, there was a village in um, Brooklyn, Weeksville. There was one in Central Park, Seneca Village, which was destroyed to make way for Central Park. And there was one in Queens. At the time, it was called Newtown. They set up a church. They set up a school. And her remains were found in what was the cemetery that belonged to the St. Mark African Methodist Episcopal Church. Yeah which is still in existence today. It's actually just down the road from its original spot in what is now Elmhurst. So we wanted to find out who this woman was because the coffin that they found her in is actually something that was really expensive that very famous people were buried in. Dolly Madison, Zachary Taylor, um, Lincoln's son, Willie, they all were buried in these metallic coffins. And this was an airtight. Someone came up with this idea. Uh, originally, I think it had a relative who died in the South, built a foundry, and there was a whole business based on this. And this preserved, before embalming, right. was able to preserve the body. And in this case, uh, did for how many? A hundred and how many? Um, 50 yeah, plus 150 years. plus years. 
It's amazing. Yeah. So we tracked down who this woman was and why she was buried in this incredibly elaborate coffin. We searched to find out whether or not she may have been a runaway slave. Um, We do the science that's involved in that. It involves isotopic testing in your teeth and find out who she was and where she came from and what the story behind the coffin was. And one of the things I enjoyed about it, and I would point out that so much of what is discovered could not have been discovered 10 or 15 years ago because of the technological things that are that are used, the machines. There's one particular, I guess it's like a, uh, a CAT scan kind of thing, but it's uh, not even just three-dimensional. It's yeah. multi-dimensional, kind of a, a little spooky, but, uh-huh. but also very, very interesting. They were able to find out about her disease and a lot about her from that. Yeah. It's an incredible piece of technology. I sort of describe it as like a table size iPad and using various, her body was CAT scanned, using just a regular CAT scan, using that information that was fed into this computer software, they were able to create, as you said, this multi-dimensional image of the remains. And it's so crazy because you start out and you see what we all see with our skin And with the touch of a button, then it reveals the muscles, and then another button, and it reveals your organs, and then another button, and your bones. It's it's like science fiction, but it's actually happening. And and what becomes very moving is that we really kind of find out who this person was, what she looked like, and the current community of this church uh, essentially brings her home and adopts her, and they're thrilled to have her back and and have this story told, which kind of, uh, again, it goes against the whole thing, that this myth that every African-American was a slave at that point, you know. I shouldn't give it all away. I'm giving it all away. <laughs> I was trying we, to be we, careful we, about we, what we, I was we, we, I'm, I'm, revealing. I'm, 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 no. But, but it's a fascinating film, and it's just done so beautifully. Yeah. I, I, one of the reasons it was so important to me that we get to make this film is to tell this story of the lives of free blacks in the North. Because, like you said, when you hear 19th century African-American history, all you think of is slavery for obvious and good reasons. But there's more to the African-American experience than just that. And this was just such a unique opportunity to share some of that history. I couldn't pass it up. Yeah, that's great. So it's coming up October 3rd. That's right. And more this season that you can give us a little bit of a preview yep. of? Um, we have another episode uh, called World War Speed, which takes a look at how both sides of World War II, the Nazis and the Allies, really relied on amphetamines to oh, get them through. That kind of speed. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, get them through conditions that human beings are not really built to withstand mentally or physically. And it sounds like a grim topic. It's actually a really fun episode in a lot of ways because there's a lot of... um, It has to be an up. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of sort of testing of how people would have done things. I think that World War II buffs are going to kind of eat it up because it's just super entertaining. Excellent. Excellent. Mm -hmm. What else? some other ones? We do. There's a big uh, archaeological dig happening in the Cornwall area of uh, England at the Castle Tintagel, which is where sort of the myth of King Arthur got started. 
the show explores who King Arthur could have been, some potential candidates of it could have been this king, it could have been that king that sort of gave rise to the whole sort of surrounding story. But it also reveals that the Dark Ages probably weren't quite as dark as we thought Mm -hmm. they were. This site, they're finding more and more and more that it uh, was a major trading port because it's on the coast. So they were receiving ships from Africa, from Italy, all over the world trading, I mean, all over their limited part of the world, trading partners. So it was a much more cosmopolitan and business-inclined society than I think most of us tend to think where it's the dark ages and everybody was in a hovel and just trying to grow enough food to eat. Sounds terrific. Now, you know, executive producer, that's a title that we see a lot in the media world. And what does that really mean in your case? What do you actually do? (laughs) This is what we want to know. So it varies from series to series and project to project. Uh But in this case, um, I am the one who decides what episodes we're going to do. Independent producers come to me and say, oh, I have this idea. I have that idea. And so if it's something that I think is compelling um, that our viewers would be interested in, uh, I'm the one that says, okay, this is something that uh, we want to do. In this day and age, it's also a lot about forming partnerships Mm -hmm. with international broadcasters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Secrets of the Dead is, it's a it takes a village kind of series. Right. Um, Originally, it had a sort of a British uh, it did. connection. Yep, yeah, um, and and we often still do. So it's working with some of our counterparts in the UK at various British broadcasters, but also now we've expanded into French and German broadcasters as well, seeing that we can all come together to make a film that'll work for our audiences. So it's there's a lot of that involved. What are the big challenges involved in getting these things on the air and done? Probably not surprisingly, the biggest challenge is financial. Mm-hmm. These are expensive films to make. They're not something that I think any one broadcaster could do on their own mm-hmm. unless it was the only thing they did. So it's really trying to find the money, trying to make sure that the money is spent in the right way. That's probably the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. What are some of the choices that you have to make to make that money well spent? Right. So it's all a balancing act and we can't ever do everything that we want to do. So it's the difference between traveling a crew to a particular site or doing some really expensive high-end animations to illustrate some science or hiring a crew of actors to do a very typically very expensive reenactment. So you really have to decide, well, what works best for this film? Mm-hmm. What's the best way to tell the story? Can we do this effectively with the amount of money that we have? And how about the uh, satisfactions from it? I would think they would be manifest. That you would... Yeah. It, it's, I mean, Secrets of the Dead in particular is such a fun, fun series to work on. Getting to share these sort of unknown, quirky stories with the rest of the world that almost seem like, what? That can't be true, but we've got the science to show that, they, well, actually it is. Now, what's led you to this world? I know that you graduated from Syracuse. You have an MA from NYU. What led you to the world of documentary film and public media? 
Well, I I love stories. I love telling stories. I love people telling me stories. I it's just my favorite thing in the whole world is being a part of stories. So when I finished my master's degree, I thought, what do I want to do? And, and it was basically just like, well, I want to tell stories and be involved in telling stories. Mm-hmm. Um, was it always in terms of film? Or, or? No. At the time, I was I my undergraduate degree was in print journalism, so I that's where I started. And then when I finished grad school, I decided I was just going to be open to whatever opportunities presented themselves. And um, it's funny because I think it was probably before I started grad school was when Frontier House aired. Oh. And I remember watching it and thinking, gosh, I want to be like the person who does the research on a TV show like this, not ever thinking that that was where I was going to yeah, end up. That, but that was done right down the hall. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So um, in the end, yeah, I ended up here at 13. And how about other documentaries coming up that you're working on, not Secrets of the Dead, but some other things coming up in the future that we're doing? We are airing a, um independent film called God Knows Where I Am that premieres on October 15th that tells a um, pretty harrowing and tragic story about the failure of the public health system to help one woman suffering from bipolar psychosis. It's um, kind of a maddening, troubling film. At the end of the film, we uh, created or taped a panel discussion with the filmmakers and Hari Srinivasan Mm -hmm. and the former head of the American Psychiatric Association talking about how this particular woman's case was handled and what can be done, and I produced the panel. So I'm looking forward to that coming. Great, great. And all of these things, of course, are broadcast on public media and PBS, but there are so many other avenues now for these films to be seen. Are you involved in getting them out to YouTube and our Passport, which is a, a streaming service? Are all of them available there as well? Really depends on show to show. Secrets of the Dead, we typically are available online for streaming for about a month. And then our shows are taken behind the paywall to Passport. Behind the paywall. <laughs> <laughs> and we have our... That's um, a, there's an archaeological dig yes, that goes on. Yes, behind, behind the paywall. paywall. Um, and the super smart folks in the interactive department are the ones who make that happen. That's great. Well, thank you so much. It's great to have you here. It's Stephanie Carter. She's executive producer of Secrets of the Dead here at WNET. Uh, it's been great talking to you, and, and best of luck with everything going forward. Thanks, Tom. And thank you for listening. We'd love to hear from you, so please drop us a line at upnext at WNET.org and become a subscriber on iTunes or Stitcher. WNET Up Next is a presentation of the Design and On-Air Promotion Department of WNET New York. I'm Tom Stewart.